It's all about figuring out what provides value to your specific buyer. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, so in this episode, you'll be hearing one of our favorite and most actionable talks from past conferences. Here we go. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Excited to be here this afternoon. Hot topic. Hopefully, we'll get some good learnings out for you. Certainly excited to be here, and we'll just dive right in. I'll start closest. Uh, Julia, would love to hear a little bit about how you're deploying ABM currently. Sure. So um, I work at Invoca. Uh, We've been doing ABM for a year and a half, almost two years now. When we started off, uh, we were testing it out as a way to make progress into some of the larger enterprise accounts that we've been trying to target. And slowly over the past two years, we've been shifting more resources, both budget and people, to our ABM strategy. And now I would say it takes up about 80% of our overall marketing and sales strategy. And so uh, how we're deploying it, I would say it's sort of, it's part of everything we do in sales and marketing right now. So our sales reps have their target accounts and, and that's what they're focusing their efforts on, on the marketing side of things. Our campaigns are all aligned to, to go after these target accounts and spend multiple channels. And we're really focused on creating as seamless an experience and journey as we can for our prospects from creating awareness about Invoca to educating them through the sales process to having them purchase from us, all within the framework of the target accounts that we're going after. Very cool. Mm. Very cool. Awesome. So uh, Procore is a hyper niche marketer. We're in the construction space. So the first thing that we did a couple of years ago was try to identify our entire addressable market. So there's about 70 to 80,000 accounts in our addressable market. Finding those accounts were what was most important to us. Once you've done that, you go through micro segmentation and I think a lot of folks look at industries and they think an industry is a segment, and that's not true. Micro-segmentation goes in and translates things that may seem uncommon in an account and makes them common. And once you've found the commonality in accounts, we created account buckets, and account buckets resulted in account strategies, which made the alignment with sales that much easier. So tacking accounts through that account segmentation So when an account comes in unknown, which an account will come in unknown, regardless of how good you are in identifying your TAM, you can bucket that account very quickly and execute the right sales and marketing and eventually customer success plays. So that's how we deployed it. Great. Avi? So, sure. So at White Hat Security, we uh, were the front line of application security. We help companies reduce their risks, lower their costs, and decrease the time that it takes to build websites. So we really focus on application security. Uh, in fact, we've been around for 15 years. And just recently, we announced uh, Magic Quadrant Leaders for application security testing. Congrats. So definitely a very exciting time for us there. But from an ABM perspective, you know, when, when we started thinking about account-based marketing, our journey started by really taking a hard look at our data, right? We wanted to better understand, kind of slice and dice our data in terms of understanding our niche industries, right? We, we were really focused on three or four niche industries, financial services, retail, software and technology and education. So what we wanted to do, once we identify the right industries, the right personas that we should be focusing, you know, so we were able to build out an ICP without even knowing that we built out an ICP. So then we said, now it's time for us to think about account-based marketing. And was it hard to sell internally? The whole journey for us started by education, right? Folks from our marketing organizations attended summits just like this. 
to get better educated in terms of what really is account-based marketing, right? Once we were able to train and educate some champions within the organization, we were able to carry that over to, to our sales organization. And we were able to get buy-in from the leadership side, which is the most important, right? If you have buy-in from your leadership, then you can kind of bring it down the functional organizations. And how did you pick the accounts? Was it working with sales? Did they decide and then you aligned? Or how did you go about that process? Right. So when we identify the, the right industries, you know, we, we have a tiered approach, an A, B, and C tier, right, across all of our different industries. And our A accounts are the ones that, that are, are kind of our whale accounts, right, the opportunities to be able to cross-sell. And then the B accounts were more about 150 to 200 named accounts that we work closely with sales on defining. And the C accounts, we use a hybrid strategy for ABM. So we're doing Cs or more of our inbound efforts that are ongoing uh, nurtures. And how'd you deal with location? Did you find many of them in the tier ones were East Coast or was there any issue around aligning your sales team with those? Or was it dependent on where you had sales? It, it was a combination of factors. In fact, you know, we're, we've always been very events-driven organization. So getting in front of the CISO is you know, our ultimate goal. But sometimes we had to make some budget adjustments. So instead of thinking about events, we started thinking about digital transformation, right? So that kind of organically built the, the foregrounds that we're thinking more you know, digital. So therefore, we have to be more cost effective. Okay, great. Uh, Bassam, how did you sell internally ABM? It wasn't a hard sell. My counterpart in sales, the EVP of sales, we got together and, and this was a pretty, pretty much a, a top-down and bottom-up decision from the revenue team approach. We worked together to build the revenue model. We, we were lucky enough to have a, a sysops group that actually reports into GNA. So it's a Switzerland type approach where sysops is the, you know, the scorekeeper. And once we build that revenue model out, it's, it's pretty easy to, to come to agreement. So it was not a tough sell at all. Uh, we never sold individual licenses to anybody. So we always were account-based marketers, whether we knew it or not. It was the idea of finding the right personas and finding the right ideal customer. If you can sell an individual license, yeah, it's harder to call yourself an account-based marketer. From 2002, I was a, you know, an enterprise-style marketer, and my counterpart in sales was an enterprise-style sales person. So we never sold individual licenses, so it was very easy to explain to people, we sell accounts, let's market and sell to accounts. All right. And I'm going to... Uh Jump to the next question. Uh, Julio, when have you deployed an ABM campaign that didn't work so well? And how did you, what results were you looking at? So I can think of two examples of ABM sort of hiccups that we've had along the way. The first isn't a campaign specifically, but it was our initial pass at selecting our accounts and contacts. We didn't have, I'd say, enough buy-in from sales. We thought we did, but there wasn't really one clear owner and complete agreement across both sales and marketing on the process for selecting accounts. Marketing came up with some lists based on machine learning, the type of models where you plug in, you know, industry, company size, some different variables, and we got a long list, and then we passed it off to sales to sort of make their selections. But we didn't realize that while sales reps wanted input into the process, they really didn't have the bandwidth to be from that sort of marketing-derived long list, be doing the, the due diligence to really handpick the, the right mix of accounts for their territory. So that was one area where things, quality control sort of fell through the cracks, and then about six months to a year later, when some of our results weren't quite what we wanted them to be, we had to sort of go back and say, well, the starting point for everything ABM related and all ABM success is really making sure you have the right accounts and the right contacts. So we revisited that process with sales and made sure that we had complete buy-in 
an agreement from sales leadership and marketing on who exactly was going to be responsible for what and just how much human quality control needed to go into the process. On the campaign side of things, luckily we have had a lot of success with most of our campaigns, but there was one where we did a combination of display advertising, drip emails, direct mail, and we did it by segment or for us, sort of a type of persona by industry segment. And it was very successful for the ones where we were very clearly defined. But then we had this bucket of people that didn't really fall in our ABM world, but that didn't fall into our digital marketer insurance persona or some of the other examples. So we created more of a general sort of catch-all omni-channel marketer persona that we thought would be sort of a shortcut to covering our bases for people that didn't fall into some of our other ones. Long story short, The messaging was too broad. Even though it was the exact same offer and the exact same delivery channels, our response rate was really low. And we learned the the lesson of when you go too broad, you're not really appealing to it. You think you're appealing to everyone, but you're really appealing to no one. And so we ended up scrapping that completely and just waiting until we had the bandwidth to um, build out another persona or sort of from that larger base of other build out sort of more smaller micro personas and tailor our messaging more specifically to them. Makes sense. Awesome. ABM gone wrong. Uh, You know, a lot of it has to do exactly, as Julia said, with a lack of alignment early on with getting the sales folks and the SDRs to call down. I think when you think you're going to send out the best direct mail piece in the world, if nobody calls them, there's going to be an issue on, on response rate. Getting that alignment early on is what we realized we needed to do. One thing that I think a few folks might know in the room is one of our most successful direct mail campaigns was a video card that we had sent out with the actual SDR's video in the card, giving somebody that was receiving the card an understanding of who was calling them and putting a, a face to the name. Giving that SDR the buy-in, having that person on the video gave us a near 80% response rate because those BDRs and SDRs were vested in calling that list. And when you have them vested, that's when everything seems to fall into place. I'll give you one quick example. We did a limited run to the install base for a product that we were releasing just to see how that would go. Product marketing did a great job from a marketing perspective of educating everybody within the marketing department of what was going on and uh, released this direct marketing piece. It was a Viewmaster, really cool direct marketing piece to marketing. And again, nobody in the rest of the org knew that this thing was going out. And guess how many we sold? But luckily, it was a, to a list of 100. So I think that's, those are the kind of lessons you learn. It's just make sure that SDRs, who are really the voice, first voice, are bought in. And then obviously the AEs. When you're literally creating such hyper-focused niche marketing, persona-based talk tracks, if the SDR picks up the phone and can't follow through on that persona-based talk track, it doesn't matter how great those talking points are. So uh, education is really the most important thing. Yeah, I definitely agree. I've certainly, and probably many here, have received things on my desk where I open it. I look at it because you don't get a lot delivered, but then there's no real follow-up on it. Uh, And so I I think you're right. Maybe had someone followed up or at least in a timely, at the same, you know, within a week or two weeks of receiving it when it was top of mind. Makes a lot of sense. So Avi, how about you? ABM fail. Um, I, I'd say we're not at a point of ABM fail. I'd say it's, it's more about ABM more, right? So it's ABM more? More, meaning like more. how can we do more okay, got it. With, you know, with, with our existing stack, right? So for us, we're still operationalizing technology on an ongoing basis. And we want to be able to, you know, we've been doing a hell of a job in terms of the top of funnel, in terms of being able to get the right leads in. But now we're thinking about, 
you know, our target audience, DevOps, security engineers, not necessarily, we're not marketing to marketers, we're marketing to a very tough audience, right? So now that marketing has been able to contribute at the top of the funnel, what can we really do to accelerate these, these down, the, down the middle and the, and the bottom of the funnel? And that's where, you know, we, we, we almost have to get a little scrappy in the sense that how do we build out a specific campaign for an A-level whale prospect that, that we're trying to do either a sell or a cross-sell to, right? So thinking about maybe building out a personalized terminus campaign that's targeted just to these, this one, a one-to-one targeting mm-hmm. and then be able to drive that traffic to a, a content board that lives on, on one of our sub, subdomains. So that helps us build more alignment with our sales organization and we're just discovering new things to do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, it makes sense around kind of the pipeline acceleration at the close. We had a great example uh, with Gainsight at MongoDB where the week we were supposed to close, they sent 12 tubs of ice cream uh, to the Palo Alto office. And everyone kind of came around and was eating the ice cream. And who sent the ice cream? And we we're all talking about Gainsight. So it was a, we're, we're a smaller company, but it was a, I thought it was a really well done way to give this great experience, introduce it to the company and close. Yeah. So, and we, we bought Gainsight and we implemented it. So how about we move on to metrics? How do you measure success of your ABM programs? So we definitely have defined some KPIs that are deep funnel metrics that, you know, that we said that we want to be able to decrease the time it takes to close sales, get larger deal size, AC, higher ACVs. And you know, some of the results that we've seen, just one that we were talking about with, the, with our, our advertising campaigns uh, with Terminus, you know, we saw that highly engaged accounts happen to be accounts that closed within a quarter. You know, so we were able to talk about the attribution in terms of what we're, from, from a terminus perspective, from an advertising perspective, because the challenge with advertising is almost like, how do you define KPIs and ROI? And so that's one, you know, key win that, that we've had just recently. All right, Basim. So uh, we're a big visible shop, um, as some as you know. Everything that we do online or offline, every touch point is tracked. And that's um, visible? Visible, yeah. So we, we have 13 active channels uh, currently tracking at a 602% ROI on non-labor allocated marketing spend. We've reduced our cost per lead from 162 when I joined to about $52. These are good metrics that we track against. Most successful channels, however, are our free channels, internal webinars that we produce ourselves. Uh, Most recently, uh, we've started co-branding with international brands like Bosch around thought leadership pieces. We bring in, you know, 500 folks into a webinar that is targeted to particular accounts to drive accounts to close. We do have a field marketing org, many of which are ex-enterprise sales folks, that this field marketing org, almost everybody in marketing at Procore is comped in a commission-style format. Uh, The field marketing org is comped in a commission-style format for bottom of funnel. So things like hosting dinner and events, we actually are hosting an event right now tonight that we expected 50 people at in Las Vegas that we're having 300 people at. That was one invite to a list of 2000. So they know we run a party. (laughs) So these are, these are, this is what happens when you just get a personality out there. uh, They put a face to the name and it doesn't, it doesn't hurt that it's whiskey tasting and cigar rolling, but in the Bellagio. I'm missing that for this, by the way. You guys are much be better dressed. Vegas. Um, but uh, it's, it's that, that's how you get, the, that's how I feel we get bottled the funnel. We also do very targeted, we were talking about this a little earlier, very targeted reference panels. 
those reference panels of just getting folks on a webinar to talk about Procore, frankly, but it's a private invite-only webinar. And it has to be the good and the bad, mostly good, by the way. But it has to be the good and the bad. And, um, and then those invite go to clients that are late, late funnel. That has proven to be a very good channel for closing. Okay, great. And Julia, how about you for measuring ROI of ABM? So we tie it back to our overall business goals. Since ABM is such a big part of our strategy and the, the main KPIs are uh, how much pipeline are we creating? How much are we booking? And then from a spend perspective, we measure a pipe to spend ratio. We try and always hit a, for marketing, um, a 10 to one. If all the right levers are in place, we're hitting our target CAC as well. But really, that's just more the result of us spending within the right budget that we've created and hitting our, our pipeline and bookings goals for our target accounts. In terms of sort of other leading indicators, one thing we did when we switched to more of an ABM-focused strategy is we got rid of the idea of marketing sourced and lead sourced and stuff like that and, and started looking more holistically at the entire path to purchase and doing multi-touch attribution. So we brought on board uh, BrightFunnel to help us do all of the the complicated calculations between all the different touch points across leads and contacts within the accounts. And so we, we use BrightFunnel to, to be able to drill down at the campaign level and see uh, the impact of our ABM campaigns um, across our different segments. But really, ultimately for us, it, the KPIs are the same. It's pipeline, bookings, pipe to spend, but within the, the target accounts that we want to go after. All right. Well, I've heard a lot of good tech. I'm a big fan of marketing technology. I heard Terminus, I heard Visible, I heard Bright Funnel. What are some other technologies that you're loving in ABM, Avi? Yeah, well, the whole, the whole experience with technology for us is that from, from the customer side is how do we maximize on using this technology within our existing infrastructure? And being a smaller marketing organization, you know, we have limited resources. So we almost feel that any of the ABM vendors that, that are, show us success and are, are almost an extension to our marketing organizations are the ones that we see you know, the best results with because then we are able to show the ROI on, on the investment. So, so for us, you know, we're, we have great relationships with several different vendors. And it's just one of those things that once we start seeing results and continue building the use case to renew, that's, that's really the, the, the wins for us. All right. Technology and ABM and buying a lot of marketing tech, the first thing I'll tell anybody is that just have the process down first. We, we're a large marketing org. I mean, we're 65 people and there's pretty large check to buy tech. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're really, it's not limited by budget. It's limited by the usefulness. And if we're considering tech and I get tech requests every day in my office from every group within the marketing groups, and there's a lot of them. If the process doesn't exist, the technology is not going to fix anything. So you can do a lot with Marketo just to prove something out. And then once you prove something out, then buy the tech. You know, so we've proven out a lot of stuff in social. And yeah, then you can spend the gazillion dollars on Sprinkler. I, like, I get it, you know. But so that, that's kind of the step forward. But again, proving it out through process. But we're, you know, standard marketing techs, Salesforce, Marketo are the core Visible's the, you know, business intelligence. Uh, we're using Kickfire now instead of lead forensics for IP sniffing. We use EverString for predictive. There's a whole host of other ones. Trial Fire for click path. Our CMS is homegrown. Content management uh, for our marketing or content portal is also homegrown. All right, Julia. So interesting sort of following on um, 
what Vassem was saying about their tech. For me, yeah, it's, it's not so much the actual, we have a budget for marketing tech, but the, the larger cost to our organization, we're a marketing team of about 12, is the time it takes for our marketing ops teams to, to scope out a new tool, to implement it, and then figuring out who on our team is actually going to own this tool and make sure that we're getting the most out of it. So there are so many different tech solutions out there, and I find it pretty exhausting sometimes taking the time to, to see everything that's out there, field all the incoming requests. Like you, I get a lot of tech requests from, from our team and a lot of people trying to pitch us. How we approach tech for ABM. So we're a Salesforce Marketo organization and we were able to do all of our reporting through those two platforms for a long time. We looked at individual point solutions by channel to make sure we were able to get the right insights that we needed for the channels that we were going to be heavily investing in for our ABM strategy. So for us, that included display, so Terminus. I think one of the first ones that we we purchased right off the bat and saw a good good return there. PFL, which is an automated direct mail um, platform that syncs directly with Marketo, so that allowed us to scalably start doing personalized direct mail. And then Bright Funnels, I mentioned already for the attribution piece. But we have we layered on a couple others. Uh, Lean Data was one to solve the crucial problem of lead and contact to account matching, so that we had that more holistic view of of account. I wouldn't say performance, but being able to figure out the right people within an account to target with opportunities. And then most interestingly, we've now um, purchased Engageo. We're in the process of implementation still. We didn't do it right off the bat, although they had you know, compelling value props. But we sort of waited to see just how important an AB to end ABM strategy was going to be, what role sales would play. And so now we have Engageo on board to give us more insight around the account level view, which you can't, I feel, as easily get through, through the Marketo Salesforce world. And then also be looping in sales through, through Playmaker and helping them see what a engaged account, I won't say marketing engaged account because engagement is driven not just from marketing, but our sales uh, SDR organization, but sort of bubble up and help the sales team prioritize which of our target accounts are most engaged with us so they can pick where to spend their time. Great. Well, one last question. What has been your favorite ABM tactic to target you, whether it was direct mail or dinner or what experience have you had being targeted as a, a head of demand gen or marketing? And I'm kind of putting them on the spot a little bit, if anyone wants to jump in. Sure. I, I think for, for us in particular, you know, there's so many MarTech vendors that are out there. And the ones that stick out the best are the ones that, you know, nurture you to, through, through the journey, right? So, you know, I would maybe attend a, uh, register for a webinar, I may not attend, but you know now when they're on, on the nurture list, right? And so I get a call from the salesperson, and they make it very personable. You know, good follow up. They've they've done their research. They've looked in Playmaker and know that I may be an A level profile based on my digital body language, right? So so that really is is something that sticks out. You know, the fact that the, the follow ups, it's kind of using value selling, right? That's the the ones that really exemplify are the ones that think from a subject matter expert, not really sell you their solution, but sell you solutions to your, your challenges. All right. Any creative? Uh, yeah. I, so I stopped reading my email or answering the phone. <laughs> yes. Or opening up my mail. Yes. Uh, usually alcohol makes it in my desk. So any vendors out there. <laughs> alcohol. There we go. <laughs> but no, uh, you know what? You're, you're 100% right. If there's a case study that crossed my desk that, you know, is if they've done research and they know what we do, yes. there's a case study that crossed my desk, I'll, I'll pay attention. And if it's a, you know, if it's a competitor that I respect and I'm reading it, I'll, I'll read that email. Yeah. So I, I've got a few things. All right. 
Yeah, I think it's all about figuring out what provides value to your specific buyer. For me, a couple of the most successful things have been inviting me to small executive dinners. Events really do work and a valuable use of my time maybe isn't reading a white paper, but it's having dinner with a couple of heads of marketing from like-minded companies so I can learn from them and vice versa. So those have been very effective and they have more of a soft sell component to them. And then I don't read a lot of email, but every once in a while, if I get a really well-crafted personal email that speaks to me, my profile, a pain point that I actually do have, not assuming, but expressed through social media or through speaking or something like that, I'm impressed by those. And every once in a while, I'll get one that really speaks to me and my problems, and I will reply. Yes. I I have to say, I received sea monkeys. If you know, I have three children. Uh, from IBM, one of their marketing solutions. And I still have these sea monkeys sitting in the kitchen and the kids look at them. And anyway, so I always think of this solution because I can't get rid of these sea monkeys. So it sounds like alcohol dinner and sea monkeys will work. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you everyone for your time. We're up. It was fun to discuss just what we're doing in ABM and uh, look forward to the rest of the conference. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.